Welcome to episode 245 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. Our special guest this week is Mary Ellen Sparrow. She's the CEO of Next Shift Robotics right here in Massachusetts. Mary Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be there. So today we're going to chat about people working alongside robots and all of the advancements that are being made in, in, in that field. Mary Ellen is going to tell us a little bit about the great work they're doing over at NextShift. So Mary Ellen, could we start by uh, you telling us how NextShift was, was founded as a company? What's, what's the story behind NextShift? So basically, my partner Steve Tobus and I saw a hole in the e-commerce market in warehousing for getting goods from the warehouse over to a consumer who has been ordering something online. And in seeing that hole, what we did was decided to start NextShift to actually help warehouses get their product to market from for shipping quicker. I, I think I read that that NextShift had the origins of your technology in uh, in in another company called Harvest. Is that is that correct? How did how did that, uh, that uh, come to be? Um, Steve and I and a small team of engineers worked at Harvest Automation, and Harvest decided to divest and downsize. And in doing so, we bought the assets from Harvest and started NextShift. So these were assets that Steve and I had worked on um, in the previous year while employed at Harvest. So the focus of NextShift was really to take these robotic assets that you acquired from Harvest and uh, to focus on this this uh, e-commerce niche because uh, I think uh, you had you had uh, said on your site that that Kiva Systems, when they were acquired by Amazon, left a big hole uh, in this uh, sort of e-commerce warehousing, picking and shipping area. Is that pretty much uh, is that summation correct? That is true, but we kind of took it a different direction. So um, the Kiva system is a very large ASRS system. What they do is when they go into a warehouse and they're fully owned by Amazon and no one else can use them but Amazon, but what they do is they take down the infrastructure, all the shelving, all the product shelves, and they put in their whole system. What we did was design a robot that could work collaboratively with people and that could actually work in the existing shelving and the existing inventory. We wanted to go in very quickly, very cleanly, and very simply. So we're much different from the Kivas and the other types of um, automated storage and retrieval systems that you'll see in the market today. So our, our, our listeners may not be familiar with, with those technologies and how they, how they manifest. Could you talk a little bit more about the differences between the things that you're doing and the things that a company like Kiva is doing? Yeah, so what happens with Kiva is Kiva has, Kiva goes into a warehouse, they take down all of the shelves, and then they put the goods into their mobile shelves that move to a picker. The shelves weigh about 1,200 pounds, and a robot would come in, lift it up, and bring it over to a picker. A picker would pick one or two items, and then a robot would bring the shelf back to um, a shelving area. What we did was we, we left the shelves alone. So there's still warehouse shelving like there was before. 
Um, and what we do is we put a fleet of mobile autonomous robots that go into the system and actually work alongside the picker so that the picker isn't lifting um, 40 pounds, they're not lifting heavy totes. What the picker's doing is simply picking from the shelving at any time, and the shelving isn't disturbed as it was with the large ASRS systems. That's really interesting. I, th I think that speaks to a, really a different uh, type of design approach. Uh, in in other words, there's uh, you know I've I've heard the 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 term collaborative robotics used uh, um, you know in in a variety of of contexts. Just talking more about uh, humans and 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 robots sort of complementing each other. Um, could Mary Ellen, could you talk a little bit about uh, collaborative robotics and 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 what makes that you know mindset of people working with robots uh, sort of sort of a, a unique and important approach for uh, the future of of this kind of automation. I think it's the future of any type of automation at this point. Um, in the past, we'd have robots behind a fence, and they'd be doing some type of um, work where that if anything came in, the robot would immediately stop. Um, because the robot didn't have a suite of sensors to know that there was something within the area that it needed to avoid. Um, the robot wasn't given um, design techniques so that it could work among people and actually help to make them more productive and to make the job more scalable. What we're shooting for is basically an augmented workforce. What you're seeing is things like AI and things like robotics and things like crowdsourcing are now adding to the workforce in place and enhancing their productivity and making them more effective by adding in not just the um, particular person worker, but adding more attributes to them so they can get their job done easier and quicker. So in doing that, what you're seeing is by augmenting the workforce, the workforce can be scalable and it can be more productive. And we're, we're making people start to focus more on people tasks, the tasks that they do better. So they're better at problem solving, they're better at strategic thinking, they're better at working with other people. And we're making robots and, and these types of devices work on things that um, are rope, um, that are kind of boring, <laughs> that are heavy lifting, that are pushing, that are pulling, and things that people don't enjoy as much and that stress a person's body. You know, automation in, in general and robotics in particular have really advanced in industrial applications uh, far more quickly than they have in consumer applications. And a lot of our listeners are probably thinking more about robotics from, from the consumer side. So can you talk a little bit about uh, both why, why, in your opinion, the advances have been more on the industrial side and what are some advances in technology, maybe similar to the ones you mentioned before, that you think might help to accelerate robotics and automation on the consumer side? Um, basically, we've had a lot of advances on the industrial side because industry has been used to working with robots way back into the 50s with uh, car manufacturers. It's It's been a constant um, piece in our manufacturing history. Um, so we are familiar with robotics. We may not be familiar with collaborative robots. We may be familiar more with robots behind a fence, but robots are not unheard of in industry. So they're very common in, in industrial applications, especially ones where you have a safety feature that you don't want a human doing. So if you don't want a human touching a, a dangerous chemical or you're trying to 
do something that's very minute work that um, basically you need a lot of repetition for. A robot is better suited for those kinds of things. Um, in consumers, we're just starting to see a lot of advancements in consumers, and we're just starting to see it, it's actually coming forward with um, navigation for the robot. So now what you're seeing is that a robot's able to actually move around a space that isn't a space that it had um, planned before. So, uh, for example, you can look at, you know, iRobot's Roomba, where it actually moves around the home without having um, the route to be predetermined. So there's a lot of navigation systems that are now using a suite of different sensor fusion to be able to move in different areas. And that's why you're starting to see more of your consumer goods, because the technology has actually gotten better. Um, you're also seeing that people are finding um, needs or niches for consumer robotics that we might not have had before or thought of before. Um, the whole advancement with, you know, with iRobot I and the Roomba or all the little um, Jibo and, and the different robots that you're starting to see in the consumer industry are just starting to really come into play and not be, um, and start to be used in a, in a daily fashion. Yeah, I think I think we're you know you mentioned uh, two other uh, sort of Massachusetts-based companies, right? With iRobot and and Jibos uh, out of Massachusetts, is that right? Yeah. Yes. So so I guess there's a lot of uh, robot talent here in the Boston uh, general area, um, and of course, uh, when people leave companies, they go and um, uh, form new ones, and so the ecosystem can be uh, uh, can be growing. Uh, I wanted to turn the conversation a little bit uh, to to some of the misconceptions that people might have uh, between you know that relationship between between jobs, uh, workers, you know, uh, doing those jobs, and then and then robots uh, uh, doing similar work or or even you know potentially I put this in quotes taking taking those jobs. Uh, so uh, clearly, you know that. That's got to be a theme that that you deal with uh, when you're talking to folks at Next Shift. How how do you address these misconceptions, or you know how how do you address this uh, this issue when when people ask you about it? Um, it is a it is a question that we see all the time. As a matter of fact, I was just doing research, and and if you look at um, like the Wall Street Journal, you'll see that they have articles that are like, are robots taking my job? And then they have articles about, well, why hasn't the robot taken this job away? And why are we still letting, um, why, why is the robot going to create so many other jobs? So what we found um, in looking at different surveys and, and at different um, academic articles is that companies would rather actually retrain their worker than reduce their labor force. 70% um, of companies said that they'd rather retrain than reduce. So you're not seeing that they're getting rid of their workers, but they're trying to have their workers understand that as we grow and as we grow in technology and as we move forward with things like AI and cognitive computing, that you're seeing basically um, a retraining or a redefining of what the job could be and what the job should be. And with that redefinement, you're also going to be retraining your workforce and moving them forward. So they're not doing jobs that are um, maybe unrewarding to them. They, they start to use more of their people skills and they start to use more of the aspects that are important 
in being a human, <laughs> for example, in problem solving and in um, dealing with customer issues and in increasing a company's value proposition as opposed to just trying to get um, stuff out the door. So in, in doing that, what you are seeing is there's a whole direction in this company, in this country, in this world that's actually going to redefine um, our jobs and our workforce as technology becomes more and more involved. And in redefining it, what you're seeing is that people have to be valued for their people skills and technology, um, robots or whatever have you would be valued for its more repetitive, um, unlabored skills. That sounds to me like, you know, sort of how how I imagine uh, automation could happen, um, you know, and then there's I I think that's a really sort of positive and uh, um, hopeful message, um, you know, as opposed to sort of the more dystopian like, hey, uh, you know, there's going to be lots of people out of work because they're just not going to be going to be needed anymore. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to give you a point of fact. When ATMs came out in the banking industry, they thought that every teller would be let go. Today, they have more tellers than they had before they invented ATMs. <laughs> okay? So, there there are so many examples like that mm -hmm. um, where technology has come in and it hasn't destroyed the the infrastructure, it hasn't destroyed the jobs, but it shifted the jobs. So the jobs are a little more rewarding. Tell us a little bit about what's coming uh, at at NextShift. What what are you excited about? What what new features and functions are are you rolling out next as you as you develop your collaborative uh, robotics platform? Well, as you know, NextShift's a young company, so we have a very very large technology roadmap. <laughs> um, but with that in mind, we've basically designed our system for the warehouse space. So we've done a lot of work around having the robot work with people. For example, when a robot goes near a person, it reduces itself to have speed to make that person more comfortable. Or when a robot sees an object in the aisle, instead of just stopping there and waiting, it goes around the object if it can. Um, we also have a robot that deals with things like um, an uneven floor or um, breaks in the floor, because we work in a warehouse and there's a lot of concrete around. And then we've also tried to do our tasks for green. So, for example, if a warehouse has motion detection lighting in it, um, we have our own self-lighting around our cameras so that we can see where we're going, even if it does get dark. And then besides that, there's just a lot of um, different structures that we're working with, both in the collaborative and in the automatic space moving forward. Terrific. So I'm going to wind up our uh interview today uh, with you, Mary Ellen, uh, asking to look a little bit ahead into into the future, which, uh, you know, can can require a little bit of guesswork. But how do you think robotic automation is is going to be be changing things for industry, both, you know, say, in the next uh, three to five years and then then possibly further out? What, what do you imagine uh, is coming for uh, for industry as as robotic automation really starts uh, taking hold. Okay, so here's my dreams. Um, what I'm hoping is that you're going to stop seeing robotics or automation tethered to the floor. 
you're going to be able to have robots on mobile platforms and they can move from one location to another. Everything is not going to be fixed inside of a warehouse or inside of a manufacturing floor. It's going to be able to move. The other dream that I have, of course, is for um, driverless vehicles. I would love to see driverless vehicles, hopefully in my lifetime, where we get rid of a lot of our road congestion. We um, basically, as you well know, in traffic accidents, 90% are caused by operator error. And I'd love to see that part go away because we actually have an infrastructure that can support driverless cars. Not that we do yet, but hopefully we will. Yeah, I could uh, I could see driverless cars really changing the landscape, uh, especially around here uh, in the Boston area where traffic is legendary. So, yeah, we are. So, Mary Ellen, thanks uh, so much for coming on uh, The Digital Life and talking with us today. Well, thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you guys, and I really enjoyed it. It's our pleasure. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in The Digital Life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And, of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging tech, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. Mary Ellen, how about you? Um, we have a website. It's called www.nextshiftrobotics.com. And we'd love to hear from you on our website. We have a contact sheet if you'd like to send us a, send us a note or drop us a line. So that's it for episode 245 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Neumeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>